The show you love with even more local, local news. news and more local talk. talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome to the Mike Douglas Show here on this Tuesday afternoon on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas with you, your concierge for conversation as we get things going this afternoon. Actually, quite a bit to cover today. Uh, First, a note. And a reminder, T-minus 77 days. That's right, it's 77 days and counting until the midterm elections on November 8, 2022, which uh, gives us 1,848 hours, 110,880 minutes, and 6,652,800 seconds to make up our minds to review facts as best we can discern them and to be able to discuss things in our spheres of influence. So there we go, 77 days. And as I have uh, told you before, originally I I thought, well, November 8th, it's going to be a tipping point. I no longer think that. I think it's going to be a milestone. It's going to be a, a do or die. I think if significant progress is not made, On November 8th, I think we're destined to slip into uh, socialistic and uh, Marxist societal mores, and I don't know that we'll be able to return from it. However, that being said, I am optimistic. I am optimistic. I, I think things are happening. People are beginning to see things for what they are, and uh, I believe that good decisions will be made come November 8, 2022. All right, uh, looking at the headlines today, this just in not too long ago. As many of you uh, may have heard, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband pled guilty today to a DUI, driving under the influence, and uh, Mr. Paul Pelosi was sentenced to five days in jail and three years of probation, and I believe there was also a a $7,000 fine, maybe, uh, which would be not a problem for him uh, whatsoever. So originally, as you may recall, he pled not guilty uh, at the original appearance. Apparently, a a deal was cut, as is often the practice, a a plea deal was cut. And so uh, he only has to serve five days in jail, three years of probation. Now, he actually doesn't really have to serve five days in jail. Uh, He has already apparently served two days in jail, and he got good behavior credit for another two days. All right, so that takes care. So he actually only spent two days in jail. He got good behavior credit for another two days, so you can take that off the docket. So that's four days. What about the fifth day? Well, he uh, is scheduled to work eight hours, in the court's work program instead of spending the remaining day behind bars. That, according to Napa County Superior Court Judge Joseph Solga. So what do you think? What do you think? Uh, Again, it was not, there was no, there were no major injuries. He did, 
He did cause a, a crash. There were no major injuries to the other person. No one lost their life. Uh, I don't know if he'd been convicted of DUI before, um, but we were just looking at this particular incident. From your knowledge, from your uh, experiences in terms of friends that you know, do you think this is a good and, and valid way to close out Mr. Paul Pelosi's DUI? Do you think if it were someone not with his status and and money and they caused a crash that they would receive the same treatment? I'm just asking. I'm not saying they they would not. I'm just asking the question. Again, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband did a plea deal today, pled guilty to driving under the influence, sentenced to five days in jail, three years of probation, and I think a $7,000 fine maybe. However, he really, he's only spent two days in jail of that five days. He got uh, two days good, uh, good behavior credit, and the fifth day, the court's just going to have him do um, a a work program, work work for the court's work program for eight hours. So how do you feel about that? Do you think that's that's valid? Do you think that's a a wise and just treatment of Mr. Pelosi? Our number here, of course, 209-551-3483, area code 209-551-3483. Also, uh, Note here that employee this this comes back to a work ethic issue in my mind. Apparently, some employees at Apple don't like it that they've been ordered uh, by CEO Tim Cook to return to their office building three days a week starting next month. That's according to the Financial Times. So they're they're a little bit annoyed that they would have to come back to the office for. Three days a month. Uh, so, what? How do, do you? Now, I know some of you are, are farmers and ranchers, and some of you are truckers, and uh, some of you are in law enforcement. Uh, but do, do any of you are you involved in office work, where you have an office building? I, I and I'm all for telecommuting. That's what we used to call it. I don't know what you call it now. I'm all for that. But to me, it's always been a case of if the expectation is that I'm supposed to show up at work, unless they have a, a telecommuting option, then I show up for work. I did office jobs in, uh, in government for a while. Uh, and it was mixed in with field response, but uh, a lot of that time was spent coordinating things, arranging meetings, uh, writing policies, making connections, etc., writing training programs, that sort of thing. And I, I showed up to the office because that was the expectation. Uh, I don't quite understand this mentality of, well, we, uh, we don't want to show up for work. We want to work from home. And they're only asking for three days a week. I, I would assume they work a five-day week, I would guess. But we'll... Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We can talk about that a, a little bit later. Want to get your thoughts about Paul Pelosi and the sentence that he got through a plea deal today. Our phone number 
3483. Let's begin with uh, Denise from Modesto. What are your thoughts about Mr. Paul Pelosi today? Well, I think he's he's 81 years old, and he's a senior citizen. I don't think he should be sitting in jail, but I don't think that the lady that walked the Capitol, the 69-year-old grandma, she should be sitting in jail either. Mm. So that's my comment. I don't yeah. know why he's getting it so easy and she's sitting in jail with cancer. Yeah, d- d- that really bothers me. And and we haven't got into the details of that story, uh, Denise, but thank you for bringing it up. I think that is a horrible miscarriage of justice. I think uh, she is being made uh, an example of. I know that's not grammatically correct, but you understand what I'm saying. They want to make an example mm-hmm. out of her. And uh, like you say, she's... Uh, uh, elderly she has cancer she didn't hurt anybody and the the what's the charge trespassing okay but but she didn't wasn't drunk driving she didn't drive a car into someone and and uh, cause some property damage and someone to be injured i agree with you denise it's it's this issue of selective enforcement Uh, the law should be blind the law should be blind and there should be the equal enforcement of the tenets of the law all the way across the board. And I thank you for bringing up that uh, that particular case, Denise. I agree with you 100%. Thank you. All right, Denise from Modesto bringing up a, a good point. You, you've probably heard about that story. Again, I don't have the details in front of me, but uh, one of those uh, January 6, 2021 cases uh elderly woman a grandmother and uh he she is sitting in prison mr pelosi has got to do eight hours of community service i guess all right let's uh, get more of your input about mr pelosi's sentence 209-551-3483 carl from hickman what are your thoughts carl uh yeah well my son's going through something similar to that uh he was just involved with the, no other car involved into it, but his fiancée was with him. Uh, she'd actually been driving and drove the truck into a ditch, and he tried to get it out. Yeah, they were both intoxicated. And, uh, but he went to jail over that, and now he's looking at uh, attempted manslaughter charges on that. And he did. There was no other vehicle involved. Uh, I don't think this is right at all. Attempted manslaughter, so somebody got hurt. Is that right? No, she wasn't hurt. She went to the the hospital because she was so intoxicated. Uh, But there was no injuries involved. All right. They just went off the road into a ditch, and my son tried to get him out. And now he's looking at attempted manslaughter charges. And how much time did he, was he in jail for a while at at the beginning after the arrest? He was in jail for two days. Okay. That night and the following day, they can count that as two days. All right. So here we, uh, here we have a somewhat similar situation, property damage, uh, et cetera. And uh, Carl, your, your thoughts are, gee, seems like. Mr. Pelosi's maybe getting a little preferential treatment. Is is that your thought? Well, sure. He hit and he caused an accident. I mean, these guys—they just went off the ditch. 
All right, Carl from uh, from Hickman. Thank you so much for your call. Appreciate that. And again, I, I I understand plea bargains. I understand the reasons for that. I understand the uh, the effects upon court calendars. I understand that they try to get these things resolved without trials, if at all possible. I got it. Understand that. Uh, in my days in law enforcement, uh, saw that happen a lot. What people were arrested for often wasn't what they were eventually, what they pled to and or what they were convicted over. Uh, I'm just wondering, it it seems to me that with a a DUI where there can be so much damage, there there can be the the possibility of of people being uh, hurt, and, and there was damage to another car. I think the other person had minor injuries perhaps. Uh, and it's like, I don't know, it's likely that this probably wasn't the first time at 80-something years old that he drove intoxicated, don't know. But uh, the point being that the sentence is supposed to be a deterrent for future activity. And I guess my question is, is two days already spent in jail, two days uh, on good behavior, avoiding any more jail time, and then the fifth day just doing uh, community service. I don't know. Just seems like somewhat of a preferential treatment. But I may be. It may be my filter on that. I could be wrong. Our phone number here two zero nine five five one three four eight three. And the conversation will continue on the Mike Douglas Show in three minutes here on Power Talk thirteen sixty KFIV. With the big news of the day, here's more of the Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation. We've been talking about uh, Paul Pelosi, his plea deal, and uh, the sentence that uh, he has received. And to me, a lot of this comes down to character. And uh, regardless of the judicial system, it comes down to issues of character. As I mentioned before, maybe a couple weeks ago, I've been reading off and on through a book, new book uh, by Ben Carson uh, called Created Equal, The Painful Past, Confusing Present, and Hopeful Future of Race in America. Again, by Ben Carson, a a man I, I admire quite a bit. And as I've, I've read his history, it, it's amazing to me how uh, men like Ben Carson, women as well, overcome issues in their lives and, and, and persevere. And, and they do overcome. And yeah, there are, there are wounds there are scabs that are sometimes scratched off, to use a, a metaphor. And yet they, they wind up incredibly well-adjusted and, and, com- and, and have a lot of common sense. He says in his book, and this issue with Paul Pelosi brought it to my mind, everyone is an individual and their character is their most important defining feature. Isn't that interesting? It, it's not, and, and I agree with uh, Dr. Ben Carson. Uh, to, to me, the evaluation of a person is not about their occupation, not about how much money they have, 
not about their influence, not about their success, whatever metrics of success that you use. To me, it's all about character. It's about how you act, how we act when nobody's, when we think nobody's looking. It's how, how we act on par. How do we, based upon our, our worldview, upon common sense, how do we conduct ourselves? Do we conduct ourselves with consistency, with honesty, with integrity? And all of us fall off that wagon from time to time. We all make bad decisions in life. Nobody, nobody uh, gets through life perfectly except for Christ himself. Nobody gets through life perfectly. But on, on par, what do we leave? And I often use this uh, illustration as well. Think of a, a boat moving gently through a calm lake. And you, and you watch the wake, the ripple behind that boat. What do you and I leave in our wake? There are people that I observe and it confounds me. They have almost a, a, an eternal mad on that they they look to be offended, they look to find wrong in other people, they can't wait to catch someone else and whatever they can catch them in. It's like there's this uh, th- this lifelong pursuit of finding something wrong with somebody else to satisfy them in some way. I I, I don't relate to that. I, I believe it's important to identify problems when they're there, to identify issues when they're there, and to work through them. But I I come back to, I love Ben Carson's comment here, everyone is an individual, and their character is their most important defining feature. So as you look at a lot of our, well, let's look at our public leaders. Just pick some in, in your mind. Names that would come to you. Uh, Joe Biden, Donald Trump, Ronald Reagan, uh, Ocasio-Cortez, Nancy Pelosi, Paul Pelosi, Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan, you name it. Did I say Gavin Newsom? Rob Bonta, Attorney General. As you look at many of our leaders what comes to your mind in terms of character? Because character, to me, is the most important thing. I have never been in pursuit of money, and that's I'm probably going to feel that the day I retire. I will probably regret that, but I have never been in pursuit of money. Money is not on my mind, and maybe I should have Paid more attention to that over the years, but it's just not my wiring. Uh, power and control is is not important to me. What what's important to me is exercising the giftings that God has given me in the places that He puts me. That's that's my defining feature, and if I can say at the end of my life, I I did my best to exercise the giftings that God had given me and, and exercise them in the places that he put me, then I, I would be satisfied with that. But I, I know others who, for, for them, it, it's pursuit of 
bringing down other people, of, of, of cancel culture, of gaining power, of getting as much money accumulated as possible. And at, at the end of the day, what are you left with if character is not the defining issue? All right, we'll talk more about character. Also, uh, Governor Newsom has signed a bill about removing people from disrupting meetings. This is interesting. I want to discuss that with you coming up in five minutes here on The Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We'll be back after news, weather, and traffic. Mike Douglas Show. Now, weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. On air and online. Take the Mike Douglas Show with you with the iHeartRadio app. Search 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on this Tuesday afternoon in California's Central Valley here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. I was talking a couple of minutes ago about character issues, and I want to return to this note here just for a second before we leave it. Talking about uh, Apple employees, at least some Apple employees, are not happy about an order from CEO Tim Cook saying that they need to return to the office three days a week starting in September. Apparently, Cook told Apple's Silicon Valley employees that they must return to the office three days a week after Labor Day. Cook said he wanted to preserve the in-person collaboration that is so essential to our culture. Now, the Apple workers are circulating a petition protesting the quote-unquote uniform mandate and demanding more flexibility. I suspect that a lot of Apple employees make a pretty good salary. I'm guessing. I don't know. Uh, my brain is not wired as such that I would be hired by, by Apple. Although I'm, I'm not a bad IT person. I serve as the IT person for advancing vibrant communities and uh, for my nurse practitioner wife and the uh, uh, contracting work that, uh, that she does. But I'm not, I couldn't. Couldn't work at Apple, I'm sure. That'd be way above uh, my pay grade. Anyway, my feeling, this just comes back to a work ethic. It, it comes back to a, um, an issue of character, in, in my opinion. If your job originally was about showing up to the office, and this is where, this is where COVID-19 and and the lockout policies complicated a lot of things for employers. But if if the job that you're hired for says your workplace is at such and such an address, that's where your workplace is. And if there's a pandemic or an epidemic or goofball public policy that, that mandates that you stay away from your workplace, well, then so be it. But when those mandates are lifted... To me, you have an obligation to your employer to go back to work. Now, is it just, it, it's about the office and the office is sacrosanct? sacrosanct? No. No, but I think as uh, Mr. Cook pointed out, in, in, uh, in technology, especially when there are work projects and such, 
that interpersonal relationship is really important. Well, you can do that over Zoom or whatever Apple uses. Or you can do it. They probably don't do it over Microsoft Teams, I would guess. Apple doesn't. But anyway, that being said, I, 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 I have conducted enough meetings. I have preached enough sermons over Zoom. Uh, <laughs> I have run plenty of meetings, online meetings, and they're convenient, but they lack that personal presence that's so important. Why? Because when you're across the table or you're in the same room with someone else, you, you understand their vibe. You get their body language. You understand if they're, you get the, the, uh, uh, the vibes if they're upset or, or if they're in agreement with you. And oftentimes being in the same room offers that opportunity to come up with new things, spur on new ideas, and encourage each other to uh, lift each other up. And a lot of that is lost online. I don't know how to describe it. Do you relate to that? Do you understand what I'm saying? Something is missing online. Again, convenience, I I got it. Uh, but I'll, I'll give you a, just a, a quick example here very quickly. Uh, the, the pastor that, uh, that I, I work with on, on Sunday mornings, he and I uh, used to have an appointment at about 3.30, 4 o'clock, maybe 4.30 on Fridays. And uh, we'd go have coffee together. We'd talk about the weekend service. We'd talk about books we've read, all of that. Well, I, we can't do that now because I'm with you uh, 3 to 5 p.m., Monday through Friday, and it, we, we have lost that give and take, and I, I miss that. I miss that personal connection. And it's not something I can recover at the moment because of the demands of uh, pre-production, the demands of the show, and the other couple of hats I wear with other jobs that I do. There's only so much time in the day, and, and I so I miss that, that personal interaction I think it's very valuable and so I'm not I don't know that I'm I'm uh, really on in uh, in agreement with these Apple employees that are signing petitions uh, about not having to come back to the office I, I just uh, I don't know what do you think 209-551-3483 our number 209-551-3483 and and don't don't I I like teleworking or telecommuting. In fact, my wife, my nurse practitioner wife, does telemedicine, and it's helpful, but it is no substitute for being in the presence of the other person. I guess that's my point. Let's find out what you think. 209-551-3483. Let's go to Ed from Lodi. Ed, what are your thoughts about teleworking and telecommuting and such? Well, hey, good afternoon. I, I've dealt with a bunch of that myself, and and I agree. I think it has its usage. I don't think it's ever the same as being in person. You know, we are genetically predisposed, predisposed to be, um, you know, with each other. And, yes, electronics can simulate that. After all, you and I are having a conversation over the phone and things like that. 
but it is not the same. And I kind of think there's a couple things that are at work here. Number one, my suspicion is these Apple employees are probably used to some casualness. So they are probably doing multiple things. They're probably around their house doing other stuff and getting to work as needed when they want to. And when you have to go to work, well, you kind of have to focus on work. You can't just be at home doing with those other things, whatever those are. And there's a mindset, I think, that changes when you're at work. It's a little different than when you're at home. But then there's another factor that, that, that comes into play, and that is when you have a place like I'm sure Apple has what they would call a campus, um, that is multi-millions, if not billions of dollars of land and buildings and equipment that needs to be used and utilized. And it's a big waste of money if people aren't there to be there and do what they're there for. Mm -hmm. And, you know, why, why does Apple have to, you know, maintain those things if no one has to be there? So Apple's probably, that's probably part of the consideration too. Um, In a way they're not using what they're, they're uh, spending money on. So I think those are a few things I, you know, I think, it does work to some degree, but I'll tell you as an educator, it is a whole hundred percent better when you're in the presence of the, the people you're working with. It's, it's, it's a thousand percent better. Yeah. Like thank- it's a little better. It's a lot better. Thank you for bringing that up, Ed, as, as an educator. And, and let me ask you this next follow-up question. Talk about the difference because I, I've been in that environment as a, as a guest lecturer in, uh, in adult ed- education and it, it's I've done the hybrid thing where you've got people in the classroom, but you also have have cameras and you have a big screen and you see people who are online. And to me, it's just you, I, I feel very disconnected from the people online. And I have to keep reminding myself to find some way to try to connect with them. But it just doesn't happen. Talk to me about your experience in terms of online learning versus in-person learning? Well, um, there's a couple of factors. Number one is that is true. Um, it is, it, you, and you really don't have a whole lot of, I don't know, it's hard to have the emotional connectivity and thus somewhat control over the environment that you're in if things are online. After all, they're in an entirely different room. There are different things going on. And I experienced all kinds of crazy stuff like, you know, dogs in the background and kids and (laughs) multiple family members, plus just stupid issues that happen with technology itself. Um, But uh, there is an entirely different thing. And there's, there is something about being interpersonal. You are much, much more quickly able to just even assess what a person's thinking or doing. And there's something interesting. It, it, you don't, it, it's almost like being hands-on, but you don't have to be because obviously, you know, most of us just can do things by example or explaining. But there is a palpable, palpable difference of being in a room with a student. And I will tell you, there are some things you cannot do um, if, if you're doing certain things. Like you can't just play a football game, for example, with real football players on Zoom. You actually have to have the game or it doesn't work, you know, and there's a lot of things like that. That's just me throwing an example, an anecdotal example. But um, I will tell you what, uh, I think at first kids were kind of like, hey, they liked what was going on on, you know, line because they had all kinds of time and 
And But the accountability was different. But I'll be honest with you, I think most of the kids that are back are really glad they're back. And I know that I, as an educator, am very pleased to have kids in the, in the room with me. I think it's a lot better. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I'm hearing. Ed from Lodi, some some great points there, uh, Ed. And, and I, I don't know, friends, if, if you've seen that. Have you seen that commercial where uh, the grandparents are with small uh, grandkids and uh, the grandkids are in front of, uh, I guess it's like an iPad or a computer or something, and, and their, their mom is on uh, the other end, and all of a sudden the, the, inter, the Internet goes wonky and, and she almost looks like a monster and the kids hide their eyes. <laughs> it just reminds me of that particular dynamic. And, and I think uh, Ed, Ed brought up some, some good points in terms of uh, the, the per, being presence, present rather with another person is, uh, is a whole different dynamic than being on the phone, than being on zoom, than texting. Now, and I think there are some differentiations there as well. Uh, I know texting is, and I'm a big texter. The problem with texting, the problem with email is that things can be misinterpreted. And so I'm I'm all about, if at all possible, picking up the phone and calling the person. It's, to me, the next best thing. I even prefer phone calls uh, to, to Zoom or Microsoft Teams or whatever it might be, even though you have the visual there. Uh, to me, it's, it's almost uh, it's a, it's a false visual. It's almost like a uh, surreal Disneyland-esque type thing. It, to me, it, it's it's not real. I would actually prefer to be on the phone than on a on a Zoom or a Microsoft Teams call or or something like that. But anyway, it comes it comes back to the fact that especially children, to, in my mind, part of their ability to mature, part of their ability to grow up, is dependent upon socialization, and socialization occurs best when it's done on purpose. On uh, in purpose, I'm not getting there. When it's done in person, not online. Boy, I need some more coffee. Tell you what, I'll be back in three minutes. Get another uh, cup of coffee or two. I'll be okay. Mike Douglas show continues here in three minutes on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We'll be right back. Take the Mike Douglas Show with you every weekday from 3 till 5. Download the free iHeartRadio app and follow 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Talking about uh, some employees at Apple not happy about having to go back to the office. Let's continue that conversation. 209-551-3483. John from Brentwood, what do you think about these Apple folks? Well, Mike, I, I personally believe a lot of these employees are probably millennials. They were brought up with the Internet in their hand and the phone and probably don't their social skills are probably not honed very good they're probably the ones we see they are in groups eating where they're texting each other instead of talking and after this covid thing hit and they got to stay home and do everything on their phone i don't really think they like being in the office to start with and this just gives them a bigger excuse i just think it's just the way that they were brought up and i think they all ought to be fired yeah i john here's Here's the issue for me. Uh, we've got a our, our uh, 
emeritus, um, guy that basically was our foreman for our construction team. He still does construction with Advancing Vibrant Communities uh, in his mid to late 80s now. Uh, his name is John as well. And he, he has this favorite saying. He says, you know, when, when you sign on with someone, you ride for the brand. And what he means is if, if you're going to work for someone, then you work for them. You ride for the brand. You, you do what you're asked to do, and you do it to the best of your ability. I'm not sure that work ethic is, uh, is being passed on to uh, the other generations. John, what do you think? No, I don't think so. I think, like I said, I think it's, it's just the way they're brought up. They, they've had phones and everything at their fingertips forever, and it's just the way they live. I mean, they, they, they don't talk to people. You know, if they're out in public, they, they probably keep to themselves. I just don't uh, – that, that's just my personal opinion. Even like now, I have Kaiser for health insurance, and they try and set you up with a phone appointment with the doctor. You can get an in-person appointment, but first they want to do a phone appointment. Yeah. They try and set you up so you do a Zoom so you can talk to them, and if you have something wrong, you can show them on your phone what it is. And I get tired of that, too. If I, You know, I'm paying for health insurance good money. I want to – visit with the doctor in person. I don't want to talk to him on the phone. I don't want to show him pictures of what's wrong with me. And I just think this, this whole Apple thing is just a, just a continuation of that. Uh, good, good point, John. Thanks for your call. John from Brentwood. Uh, thank you for that. Our number here, 209-551-3483. Kevin from Modesto, what are your thoughts about online versus in person? Yeah. Hi, Mike. Uh, yeah. So, uh, if it's a meeting, I'd rather that the meeting be in person. Uh, if it's a class, uh, and I'm taking a class and I'm getting a grade in it, I'd ra- I would rather that it be online because of the fact that um, I can hear the instructor better. And also mm. um, the eating going on in the classroom, in a, in a live classroom. Students are eating. And that eating makes noise, and I can't hear over the eating. I've got a hearing loss. I can't hear over somebody eating chips and corn chips and bread and things like that, or, or let's say uh, French bread. Uh, uh, I can't eat. I can't hear over their eating. Uh-huh. And, and so on Zoom, on Zoom, the instructor can mute the students who are eating, so you don't hear all that distraction. You can turn your volume up at home. You can hear the instructor much better. And the students who are talking to each other, they talk to each other on chat. So you don't, there's no sound involved. So I'd rather take the class online so I can hear what's going on. But if it's a meeting, I'd rather it be in person. That is an interesting point, Kevin. I hadn't thought about uh, folks with some hearing loss. And that's a very interesting yeah. point because uh, the, those other distractions uh, are can be eliminated in the. Uh, however, I will say this, Kevin. I was uh, what kind of a meeting? It was a. Oh, it was a. I was on an online funeral. I, I wasn't doing it, officiating it. I was. It was a, a funeral of a friend, but it was online uh, from uh, from Utah. And what was distracting to me was that the people who were running the Zoom didn't know how to run it properly. 
And so you heard a lot of these conversations, you know, which is not good. So I got what you're saying, and I think probably, uh, and I got you, I, I think that's a very good point. I think part of the issue there, too, is, and this is for all of us, when we're, when we're in charge of a Zoom-type meeting, we need to make sure that we've mastered the technology so that the people uh, yeah. who are participating have, have a good experience. So uh, good point, Kevin. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. Very Hadn't thought about that. Yeah, people with uh, some some hearing loss. Uh, that I I can see how that uh, how that might be an issue. And uh, as I'm mulling uh, mulling this over again, I, I think there's just that that sense of being present with someone else. And it's not I I referenced you know reading the body language. I mean that that it it helps us understand are we getting through to this other person are they distracted uh are they in agreement does it look like that there's some animosity there you don't necessarily pick that up online and these are things that are good to notice in interpersonal communication and oftentimes unfortunately we miss that in the online experience and uh kevin was talking about being a, a student in, in some cases, he, he prefers uh, being present, but as a student, he would often prefer being online. I did most of my early doctoral um, studies online, although I'd say probably 50% of it was uh, in person, uh, but a lot of it was done online, and I, I, I think I still prefer being in person. We'll continue the conversation. Ryan from Oakdale, hang in there, my friend. We'll get to you in five minutes when the Mike Douglas Show continues right here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We'll also talk about this new public meeting thing that Governor Newsom signed. All that coming up in our second hour. The show you love. Talking about the issues that are important to you. The Voice of the Valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now every weekday from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here again is your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show as we head into our number two here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation as we take a look at the subjects that are important to you and me and affect you and me right here in the Central Valley of California. Our mission to be live and local to make sure your voice is heard as we discuss these issues. And of course, if you'd like to do that, our telephone number 209-551-3483. We've been talking about Apple employees, uh, a few of them, quite a few of them apparently, not happy about having to come back to the office. They don't want to return to the office, even though they're only being asked to return three days a week starting after Labor Day. Uh, they say, no, we don't want to do that. Uh, they they want to stay and, and work from home. So let's find out what you think about that. 209-551-3483. We'll continue uh, that line of discussion with Ryan from Oakdale. Hi, Ryan. Welcome to the show. What are your thoughts? Hello, Mr. Douglas. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. Um, I, I just want to speak on this, just from a Judaism perspective. The uh, there is a midrash in Mishlah six six eight says, "Go to the ant, you lazy one. See her ways and grow wise." 
Though there is neither officer nor guard nor ruler over her, she prepares her food in the summer and stores up her food in the harvest times. So we see this in Judaism that Hashem wants us to work from the sweat of our brow. In my opinion, and like most of Judaism is about community. So mm-hmm. for 10 adult Jewish men, we call that a minyan on Shabbat. And we have different prayers and things like that for Shabbat when there's a minyan. So presence is important in Judaism. Community is important in Judaism. I think that is important in the Christian community, I would assume, as well. So I would like to see, as an employer, my boss, who I work for, to have an audible reputation by showing up to work. I just I feel that there's also a passage in the I believe in the Christian Bible that uh, Paul says that laziness is brethren to the deceiver. So we see this um, laziness coming through with technology, coming through with Zoom, and I just see it decaying uh, the community function of society. And it, it has good things, but it also has bad. And so Judaism teaches us we look at the good and we look at the bad and the gray areas in between. And so that's just what I think about this whole thing is that they need to be present at their job, stop being lazy, and look at their job as a blessing. Though I think they'll have a whole different outlook on what their job is like. Great point, Ryan. And there is, uh, throughout... Um throughout Scripture, a theology of work. And and we see that woven through Scripture. And you, you made some references to it already. And I, I think, uh, Ryan, in our Western-ness, <laughs> we aren't as concerned about we don't value community the way that uh, those folks who have... Uh, roots in the Middle East understand community. Um, does that make sense? I, I think in our, our Western, yeah. uh, what, what do I want to say, a Western conscience that independence is valued, and that, that can be a good thing. But the downside of that is oftentimes we lose the importance of community, and community is where we learn. Community is... Uh, that from which we draw a lot of strength. Community is is where economy begins uh, begins to thrive. And so, Ryan, I, I think you made a great point about losing that sense of community, and that's something I, I would say we need to recover it. I'm not sure uh, that we really here in America have had it to the extent that uh, other cultures have had it. What do you think? Absolutely, and I think that's why we are seeing so much violence in young people, mm. and the crime rates going up is because young people have nowhere to go. And I think we need to install into the younger generations the value system that comes with having a community, whether it's religion through school, through work, because uh, your work can even be a community. Uh, your your city can be a community. And so just looking around even Modesto, I can see the deterioration of lack of community and not providing for your community. I, I see it, it, it makes it decay. Mm. And so I think that's what we're, we are seeing right now in Western culture. 
Ryan, uh, great, great points there. I, I agree with you. Ryan brought up uh, some interesting issues regarding community, and uh, I think that's a, that's a value that needs to be focused upon, that needs to be fed and nurtured here in America. And uh, one of your final comments there, Ryan, I agree with 100%. I think a lot of our crime has to do with the deterioration of community, which begins with the family unit. And uh, a lot of that brings forth a lack of encounter, a lack of accountability, and uh, that brings uh, crime with it. Ryan, uh, great, great points there. Thanks so much for your call. Talking about telecommuting, working from home, uh, the advantages of being present, and this whole issue with a lot of Apple employees apparently not wanting to come back to work. Let's continue the conversation, 209-551-3483. Let's go out to Houston, not too far away, and uh, Eric. Hi, Eric. Welcome to the show. What are your thoughts about this today? Uh, well, thanks for having me on. Uh, really, I don't really see issues with uh, work from home. I think one of the big problems uh, that people seem to be having is that workers are going to be not as productive if they're working from home, and the fact is, all throughout the entire pandemic, we've seen companies that have had record profits from these exact workers that have been working from home. So I don't really see any issues with that. Along with it, we also had eased up traffic when all these people were able to work from home because they weren't commuting in the roadways. It was the easiest time in the world to travel anywhere because of that. There's just a lot of great advantages coming from the work from home perspective that I think a lot of employers and a lot of employees aren't really seeing. That's an interesting thought, uh, Eric. Bringing up some some positives there, uh, definitely. I, I think I think it, it. Some of that depends on the industry, or the profession, uh, Eric. And and I do agree that product productivity, in some settings, can be as good, if not better, uh, telecommuting. And certainly, do you remember the days right after? Uh, the pandemic, uh, the, the restrictions were lifted and, and how you could, you know, you could throw a bowling ball down a highway and never hit anything with it. Uh, that, that was kind of nice to have that light kind of traffic. So, yeah, that's an interesting thought, interesting perspective that there are some uh, positives uh, to, uh, to telecommuting. Eric, thanks for your thoughts. Appreciate that. That's interesting. I hadn't quite uh, thought of it in that way, but, yeah, he's, he's got a point. And I, and I do think in terms of productivity, uh, you know, if, if you're a farmer, you, you got to be on site. Uh, if you are a rancher, you have to be on site. Uh, those cows, uh, they have to be milked twice a day. Uh, regardless, uh, if you're a, a cop, you've got to be at the station. You got to report for duty. I mean, there are a lot of uh, different professions where I think you have to be present. For those where you don't have to be, I, I think it really is incumbent upon the management to say this is what uh, this is what we feel we can accept in terms of a balance between telecommuting and being present. And if it's just present because you just want them to be there, I'm not sure. I think that's a flimsy excuse. However, if like uh, the Apple CEO is saying, uh, some of our productivity depends upon that personal interaction. I think that's important, uh, too. Let's get some more perspectives from you, 209-551-3483. Andre from Manteca, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I just wanted to share a few of my points. Uh, I worked at home remotely, me and my wife, during the pandemic. And 
I think that at certain times we would get really close and the bonding was great, but also I felt spending almost too much time at home and that it would create a rift between each other that we almost needed that space that the work environment was giving us so we can enjoy the time we had with each other more when you're apart, you know, you kind of miss that time. Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. Uh, do you have uh, children by chance? I do have children and um, it was easier, you know, it was easier uh, with them getting um, uh, on the computer also at home instead of waking up and taking them to school. So mm. there's a lot of positives to it, but you know, it makes you miss the time when you're at work and you're, you're out working your job and you're like, man, I really want to get home so I can go see my, my wife and kids. But when you're already there, it, it, uh, it's not really a gift. It's not something that's enjoyable. I mean, it's convenient, but I think that that time apart is almost necessary. It's a present because it is a gift, you know? Yeah, it uh, it can be a, a double-edged sword. Andre, thanks for your perspective. That's a, that's very interesting. Uh, absence uh, makes the heart grow fonder. Does that play in it? I don't know. Good points. Andre, thanks for your call. Let's go back to the phones. 209-551-3483. Keith from LaGrange, what are your thoughts about telecommuting? So are, is this the Apple the, the the major headquarters, I believe it's over in Palo Alto, or is this all Apple stores? No, it's uh, it's the headquarters in Palo Alto. Well, for one, if I worked there, I would want to stay home just because of the traffic alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the Bay Area, I mean, even here in the Valley, I commute to work in the Valley. I commute from LaGrange to Stockton. And, um, I try to stick to the back roads as much as I can, but there's a point there that I have to hop on 99 in the mornings and, um, you just, you could be late one day and then you could be early by 30 minutes the next day, depending if there's an accident or anything. Uh, the other thing too, working from home, if you think about it, you save a lot of money on fuel, wear and tear on your vehicle. Um, so in my opinion, if, if these, uh, if these people that don't, if they don't want to return back to the office, but they're still being able to get their work done, I say, let them work from home, save a little money. Well, that's, that's definitely a a positive is a saving of the money. I I think it's a, it's a balance and it really is up to management, I think, to evaluate uh, how important is, is it for these people to be on site? Tim Cook is trying to make the case that he he wants them on site three days a week versus uh, five. But I think that's a good point. Uh, it, management really needs to make a, an assessment there and uh, to allow telecommuting, you know, if it's uh, if people are still going to be productive. Real quick, Keith, uh, if you don't mind answering, and you don't have to, uh, what type of uh, career are you in? Uh, I do road construction, so I have to show up to work every morning. Okay. Um I commute, in a, I commute in a little Toyota Corolla, but even then, when gas prices were at their highest, I think I was paying six something a gallon. Uh, I wasn't sure. I, I, I just did. I didn't want to look, but uh, I know that I was spending pretty close to about one hundred and fifty dollars, maybe one hundred and eighty dollars a week in fuel, and then um, just the wear and tear on my vehicle commuting to work. You know, tires and uh, brakes and just all that stuff, oil changes. It's it gets expensive to drive to work. And not only that, but you take the risk of being late to work because you're stuck in traffic or 
you get involved in an accident, you know, you hear about them all the time, um, up and down 99. And so, um, I can, I can feel for these people that are at home because they don't have to get up and fight that every day. And then I'm, I'm sure they're comfortable at home and they're saving money by not driving to work and fighting the traffic and everything else. So I'd say if they're, you know, in my opinion, if they're getting their work done, then let them stay. Uh, I can see this probably benefit in Apple because there was a company and I forget the name of them. They're in Stockton and they're actually having all their employees uh, that work in the office that answer phones and do computer work, processing paperwork, stuff like that. They're saying that from now on, this is what we're going to do. All new employees that we hire are going to stay home and work from home. Ah. They found that the company saved money because they did not have to buy computers. They did not have to uh, supply the electricity inside the office building or pay for the water service or uh, the janitorial service or anything like that. So the company is saving money by having the people stay at home and work. Very good points, uh, Keith. Appreciate that. Keith from LaGrange, I got to run, my friend. Thank you for calling in. You made some some good points there. And it really seems to me as we discuss this, it, it becomes uh, industry specific and uh, and how that works. Some great thoughts today. Thank you so much. I'll be back in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. You're listening to The Mike Douglas Show, the voice of the Valley. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to The Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Some great great discussion regarding telecommuting, working from home. And uh, there, there, there is a double-edged sword aspect. And we've uh, discussed the positives and the negatives and the in-betweens. Good, good discussion. Appreciate that from you, as I always do here on The Mike Douglas Show, 3 to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Uh, if you remember yesterday, I was amused, bemused, by that story about the 100-year-old lady in Australia whose bucket list, uh, <laughs> the last thing on her bucket list was she wanted to be arrested. Uh, he'd never broken any law uh, at all, apparently, during her life. And uh, her at 100 years old, her her bucket list, top of the list was to have some nice police officers come and, and put her under arrest, which uh, which they did very gently. I thought that was just uh, uh, great. Uh, so it brought to mind a, a new study about life expectancy. Do you worry about that? I don't worry about that. I figure God has given me whatever days I have, and I, I don't worry about it uh, beyond that. Uh, in 2020, life expectancy in the U.S. was 74.2 years for males, 79.9 years for females. Uh, Hawaii had the smallest drop of life expectancy uh, to 80.7 years. Hawaii has the highest life expectancy in the country. Uh, and many of you have been to Hawaii. I think part of that is kind of the, the, the laid-back culture there. Uh, tell a story about that later. Won't take the time now, but I, I think some of that laid-back culture there maybe maybe helps that, or maybe it's the poi. I don't know. I'm not real fond of poi. I'll eat it when I'm there because they say that's what you're supposed to do. But anyway, so uh, life expectancy 
Uh, CDC has said that southern states and the District of Columbia are more likely to have lower life expectancies, as were Indiana, Missouri, New Mexico, Ohio, and Oklahoma. Western and northeastern states more likely to have higher life expectancy. So there you go. Bucket list. Mentioned this yesterday. Uh, let me talk about it just very quickly here. I mentioned my wife and on her bucket list uh, is is in pursuit of, of seeing some birds live. Now, these are not the birds that fly around. You may be thinking, what? Now, these are puffins, puffins, very colorful little birds. And she w- would love to see live puffin- puffins. And not just in the zoo, in their live habitat. And there are places in the world where they tell you if you're a visitor, if you're a tourist, you can pretty much guarantee you will see puffins if you come at this time of year. So my wife and I, over the uh, 32 years of our marriage, have been to places where the puffins were supposed to be there, but apparently they have some type of network. And the network says, "Uh uh-oh, we hear the Douglases are coming, and Mrs. Douglas is coming, and we're going to head out of here because we don't want to be seen by Mrs. Douglas. And I'm, I'm I'm not being facetious here. Places that they say, oh, yeah, we always have puffins. They are gone. GOA, as we used to say in the police biz long time ago, gone on arrival. In fact, one time in Ireland, we got into a little rowboat, which traumatized my elderly mother quite a bit. But anyway, we took a rowboat across this little channel to go to this island where they said, oh, yes, there will be puffins there. We got there on the island. They said, oh, yeah, normally they're here, but uh, for some reason they're gone. Well, that's, that's because we showed up. So... If you know where any puffins are in the wild, Mrs. Douglas, Mrs. Mike Douglas Show, would love to know where they are, and uh, we will keep in pursuit of the elusive puffins of the world who apparently have some type of an alarm. Maybe they have some kind of a tracking device on us. They know where we're coming, and they disappear. Well, I'm not going to disappear, at least only for a few moments. And when we come back from those few moments, we're going to talk about this bill that Governor Newsom has signed about removing people from public meetings. That's coming up in five minutes here on The Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's more with the voice of the valley, Mike Douglas on Power Talk 1360 KFIV and streamed on the iHeartRadio app. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Thank you so much for uh, making this such a wonderful experience, 3 to 5 p.m., Monday through Friday here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Ah, interesting story. Just picked this up a little bit before we went on the air today. Apparently, Governor Gavin Newsom yesterday signed a bill that sets standards for when officials can have disruptive people tossed out of public meetings. It says under the bill... The presiding officer of a public meeting could have a disruptive person removed 
but only after warning them that their behavior is disruptive and will result in their ejection if it continues. Once warned, the individual may be removed if they continue the disruption. The measure also defines what disruption is, which can include making threats or failing to comply with reasonable and lawful regulations. Now, the California State Association of Counties and Urban Counties of California uh, jointly uh, apparently sought specific guidance uh, to be written into the statute. They say this measure will help local agencies address an unfortunate but notable increase in disruptive behavior, hate speech, intimidation, and threats against local elected officials, staff, and members of the public with opposing views. But a different viewpoint from Californians for good governance, they say the bill could be interpreted by local officials, quote, as a general license to limit public participation. They say the reality is that participatory democracy is a messy business, but limiting public input is not the answer as it moves our government towards authoritarianism and away from democracy. So this is interesting. Here's my initial reaction, and I guess given all that's going on today and uh, a growing distrust of government, my distrust of government seems to go deeper week by week. I am not sure but what this can be abused. When they say hate speech, does that mean vehemently disagreeing with the council or whoever's presiding over the council? Is that what that means? And we, we've already seen across uh, other places in, uh, in the United States where parents that were vociferous about opposing curriculum in, at school board meetings, uh, police were called and, and they were called disruptors. I'm, I'm not too sure. And again, I think we need to employ here the Douglas Law of Reverse Application reverse application. And that means, all right, think of ways you think this would work well, and then turn it around. Let's say that you and I are there to object at a meeting to something that we think is just a horrific public policy. And we get a little bit emotional with it. What if uh, our emotional with it is determined to be hate speech? If we're opposing something that has to do uh, with a group, well, is that going to constitute hate speech? And then this bill would say, well, we can be thrown out of the meeting for that. And you may say, well, Mike, what about, what about the fact that the people, they ought to be able to throw people out of the meeting? Well, we already have laws. In fact, in this article, it was citing some cases where people, uh, public officials, uh, had, had had things thrown at them. Okay, that's already against the law. If you have the capacity to hurt someone and the intent, there's, uh, there's laws against that. It has to do with assault. And if you actually connect with someone, if you hurt them physically, that's called battery. And if you are uh, disturbing a meeting to the point where the meeting can't continue, 
That's Section 415 of the California Penal Code, disturbing the peace. So in my mind, there are already laws in place that can deal with this. So I am very suspicious about this bill that Governor Newsom has signed. I I am not comfortable with it. What, what do you think? Do you think this is a good thing? This bill that would specifically give those people running meetings the power to remove people after a warning and eject them if, if that if they don't quit that behavior. Again, I I don't know why this is necessary. I don't understand why we have to have it. If if someone is being disruptive, if they're disrupting a, a public meeting, we have a penal code section for that. If someone is uh, has the capacity to assault someone, is making threats, and looks like they have the capacity to uh, carry out that threat, we have. We have ways to deal with that. If if someone throws something at someone or they hit them or they... Do we have a penal code section for that? So I'm, I'm not too sure about this particular bill. I, I just have a suspicion based upon my growing distrust of government these days, I have a sneaking suspicion there are hidden agendas here. There are uh, alternative agendas. I don't know. Do you think this is necessary? Do you think this is a good thing? Our number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. By the way, on Monday, I, that's a long ways away yet, I know that, but on Monday we're going to have a great story. It's going to warm the cockles of your heart. It is about a, um, a, a mom, a retired police officer, I believe, down in Southern California, who got fed up with what, there's, what her school board was doing, ran for the school board, got on the school board, and made some changes. Her story is absolutely inspiring, and it comes back to my growing thesis and my encouragement to you to never ever give up and to stand for what you believe is true, to stand firmly in the light of truth and not to be, not to back up, not to back down when, when you're fired upon, so to speak. It is anyway, keep that in mind, mental note Monday afternoon, and it'll be about three thirty-five. Uh, right after the first, uh, uh, right after the first bottom of the hour break, and it's going to be a fantastic interview. All right, uh, let's go to the phones two zero nine five five one three four eight three two zero nine five five one three four eight three. Let's find out what uh, Debbie from Stanislaus has to say today. Hi, Debbie. Hi. Guess what? what? I'm a hundred percent be and behind what you just said in the last five minutes. About the bill? Are you there? Yeah. You're talking about the bill? Don't back down. Stand up for your principles, your liberties, and your civil rights. Absolutely. And so I think that our governor is so used to pushing 
and he doesn't want any pushback, so it's kind of gone to his head. Do you, and maybe this is just me, do you think there are ulterior motives behind this bill? Absolutely, positively, unequivocally. Yeah, I my, my fear is, fear, worry, I guess is a better term. My worry is concern. it's going, yeah, my concern, that's a good word, better word. My concern is that it's going to be used as a political tool to silence the opposition, whatever the opposing uh, view might be. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, Debbie. I'll give you the last word here. Mike, you are 100% right on, right on it. And it's going to get tighter and more. So just be prepared. Just know that we all believe in our creator, that we all have a purpose. We're not here with no purpose. Every one of us do, and we can be together on the purpose. And we don't have to be obnoxious about it, but we need yes. to learn to stand tall. Great, strong. great point. I appreciate what you just said, and that is we don't have to be obnoxious about it. We can stand for what's true. We can make our point without trying to destroy other people in the process, which the cancel culture does. Uh, great wisdom there, Debbie. Absolutely, I'm 100% in agreement with you. Uh, you know, we, we've, we seem to have, in our culture, lost the art of discussion. Uh, I won't even say debate. I, I think we've just lost the art of being able to discuss things in a civil way. We, we have been uh, drawn into this cancel culture where the way to disagree is to remove the disagreement by removing the other person. And that's not healthy, never has been healthy. I'm even, let me get a little theological here. The Apostle Paul uh, advocates test everything, test what you hear, test what you hear. Just don't take it for granted, test what you hear. And I expect you to do that as well. I don't expect you to accept what I say as the gospel truth, so to speak. I, I expect you to think about it, and if you disagree, to let me know. If you agree, let me know. That's important. That's how we grow together. And I'm going back um, to, uh, what was it, Ryan's call? That's how we build community as well. And by the way, Ryan, that, that was an excellent call, uh, re really excellent. All right, we'll have more excellent calls, more excellent cop uh, topics to talk about in three minutes here on The Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 1360 KFIV is your place online. Let's get social with Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And let's get back to the conversation here on the Mike Douglas Show. 209-551-3483, our number 209-551-3483. Talking about this uh, bill that Governor Newsom just signed that would basically specifically uh, give power to... Uh, officials running public meetings to remove people for a variety of different reasons. Let's get your take on it. 209-551-3483 uh, out to Riverbank, the city of action. Kelly, welcome to the show. What are your thoughts about this bill? Hey, Mike. Um, it just really makes me think about King George and how he kept putting the squash on the colonists 
and mm. um, you couldn't even say anything. Everything had to be done in secret at one point. And, you know, the more they try to repress people from speaking their opinions, the more it's going to come out in violence, unfortunately. And I, I'd hate to see that happen, but it, it almost makes me think that that's what they want. And it, it's, they, they're really, they're really t- turning the screws on specifically conservatives and people who aren't conservative, but disagree with the um, agenda that that's happening. I mean, look at anybody who spoke out against um, mask mandates or vaccine mandates or, or didn't think that An- Anthony Fauci was um, God incarnate. Look at, they, they turned the screws on them. And, um, you know, the media is completely on King George, that is Gavin Newsom's side. And so, you know, we have to put our critical thinking caps on and think, okay, so what are the scenarios that will happen with the law? Well, do we really think that someone like Gavin Newsom really wants the best for everybody? No, because if he did want the best for everybody in this state, he wouldn't have done a lot of the stuff that he did during this whole um, COVID pandemic. He wouldn't have gone out to eat at the fanciest place in Napa and basically thumbed his nose up at the rest of us peasants who, you know, had to do takeout at the local taqueria. Um, So he really doesn't want what's best. He's being paid to do this by his donors. And then you have to think, well, what are the scenarios that can happen with this law? Well, it gives, like you said, too much power to one person. It gives them, you know, authority. It encourages tyranny and people let power go to their head. Absolute power corrupts absolutely, as we know. So the saying goes. So uh, what is the worst thing that can happen? Well, the worst thing that can happen is, well, somebody doesn't get to speak their mind at any of these meetings. And so the next thing they do is they get fed up and they lash out. I mean, people can only hold their opinions in for so long before they burst. And so I hate to see this happen, but it's probably going to happen. And we live in a corrupt world. We live in a sinful world. I, for one, am looking for my blessed hope. I'm waiting for Jesus to come and rapture me out. And uh, I see the world being set up for a tribulation period where God's going to pour out his wrath on this earth. And I just see us being, you know, slowly getting to that point. But anyways, that was my comment, Mike. Thank you for giving me the time to uh, air my opinion without um, having to resort to violence. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. <laughs> it's okay, Kelly. Thank you very much. Uh, no violence here on the Mike Douglas Show. This is a no violence uh, zone. Kelly, thanks for your uh, thoughts. There brings a couple of things uh, to mind, Kelly, as you talked. By the way, uh, Anne checked in with us. She says, uh, going back to the issue with Apple and the employees not wanting to uh, to show up to work in the office but to kel- telecommute, she says, if my boss says I want you to come to work, I believe it's my responsibility to go to the site or Find another job. I don't believe the employer is to consider adjusting to what I want. And then uh, regarding this bill, she says, yes, we have laws already to cover disturbing the peace. Yeah, good point. I I think that's the thing is I I think it's unnecessary because laws are already in place to deal with these issues. Uh, Kelly, getting back to some of your comments, talking about Governor Newsom and, and, and such and, and the, the motivation behind this bill, always good to look at history. I mentioned before, what do people live uh, leave in their wake? Like a boat, 
uh, moving slowly through a, a very peaceful lake, and it creates those ripples, a wake behind it. What do people leave in their wake historically? And that lets us know things about motivations. It lets us know things about how they uh, typically perform. And uh, if we see things that don't equate, then we need to take notice of that and, uh, and put that in, into the mix, especially when it comes time to vote. Uh, the other uh, aspect of dealing with all of this, Kelly, is that there is a, a saying amongst uh, we, we pastors that ministry, real ministry, is messy. Real ministry is messy. You look at uh, the Old Testament. You look at the prophets of the Old Testament. They were in messy situations all the time. You look at the New Testament. You look at Christ himself. You look at uh, the apostles. It was messy and deadly. And, and when, when we're dealing with doing what's right and we're dealing with a representative government and a representative democracy, it's going to get messy and we need to allow that mess as long as it doesn't start to get physical and violent. We need to allow the messiness. We need to allow people to get emotional. We need to allow them uh, to, uh, to, to let loose a little bit appropriately uh, in, in order to get their point across because when people aren't being heard, they get messy. And so I believe a lot of the messiness that we're seeing right now is because government is attempting to squash, attempting to mute, attempting to do away with any other opinions but its own. And so this is the reaction you're going to get. It's going to get messy. And so to a certain degree, we need to allow for that messiness. Well, you can't raise your voice. Well, Listen, if people aren't being heard, they're going to raise their voice. And that's an indication that maybe we ought to listen a little bit better, listen a little more intently, especially if uh, we're the ones sitting on the dais. So uh, in, in summation, I'm very suspicious about this bill. I see a high degree of probability that it will be abused by government. Well, I'll look forward to uh, continuing our conversation with you tomorrow from 3 to 5 p.m. here on The Mike Douglas Show as we get back together here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Have a great night.